Welcome to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. On today's show, we will recap the loss at Memphis, get you ready for Saturday's matchup versus UCF. Great show coming up right after this. Welcome to the Talk Angry Podcast, your destination for Wichita State Shocker basketball. Join us every episode from the Forge Audio Production Studio as we dive into game recaps, analysis, and interviews. And now, here are your hosts, Dustin Kuhn and Taylor Eldridge. Welcome back to Talk Angry with Kuhn and Eldridge. Memphis 72, Wichita State 52. It's a ugly game on offense for the Shockers. They shoot a season-low 29.4% from the field. They go 0 for 12 from 3 in the first half. They only go 2 of 23 from 3 for the game. Taylor, you had a lot of analysis after the game on what Memphis was able to do. It seems like the Shockers really struggled with the length uh, of Memphis, and it, it definitely got them out of sorts. Yeah, just not not a lot to like from from the offense, and uh, you know, anytime you go two for twenty three on threes, you know that's just not going to get the job done. And uh, you know, some of those are open shots that you know sometimes they hit. I thought Tyson Etienne had a couple couple looks that had been going in that that didn't go in, and then that kind of just you know snowballed, kind of built, and the frustration kind of just slowly built throughout the game. And I think uh, Isaac Brown uh, touched on it in his press conference where he said. He thought the frustration from not seeing shots go down on offense carried over to the defense. And, uh, you know, once the offense started to pick up, uh, they finally hit two threes uh, early in the second half. They cut the the deficit. I think they got to within three and uh, just couldn't get any closer because they couldn't get any stops. And, um, you know, I think uh, that's kind of what happened was, you know, when you see shot after shot after shot just miss, I mean, that's, that's tough to, to bring – a high level of defense on the other end uh, when shots just aren't aren't uh, falling. So truly, special teams are able to you know put that aside and still uh, play that elite defense. And uh, you know it's a work in progress for WSU. And uh, yeah, things kind of got out of hand there in the last uh, ten minutes. And uh, end result, a twenty point loss. Uh, they the players you could tell talking to them that they're they're looking forward to that return visit. Uh, from Memphis at Coke Arena, they really want to, you know, prove themselves again against that team. Memphis didn't play particularly well, in my opinion, either. This was just a sloppy basketball game on both fronts. They do shoot 61% from three in the second half. They were plus eight in rebounds. But what specifically, in your opinion, did Memphis do to to really get Wichita State out of uh, sorts? Or was it more they were kind of inflicting it on themselves? Yeah, I mean, I think... uh what you said earlier, just the length and athleticism, I think that's something that uh, some teams have had. You know, Houston comes to mind on, on teams that are uh, that have that kind of, um, you know, the, the traits of, of Memphis. But what makes Memphis unique is uh, just how much they gamble. Uh, Penny Hardway really, uh, you know, he just they just go get after it on the defensive end. And uh, basically what they do is uh, as soon as, uh, you know, somebody passes to the wing or even just dribbles over in that, that direction, uh, you know, they basically uh, send a second defender that way and, and, and try to double team them. And then the, the help defense behind them kind of uh, goes to work and they take all of the one pass away players and uh, they, they've pretty much forced teams, uh, you know, if you're going to beat them, uh, you're going to have to make, you know, really good skip passes and make, you know, uh, really good decisions and decisive decisions and uh, make them quickly. And 
I think that's what WSU did not do was, um, you know, they had a couple of, uh, you know, opportunity basketball situations where, you know, they would pass out. You know, Tyson Etienne was was really good, you know, passing, uh, drawing the double team and then passing out. Uh, he would give WSU, you know, four on three, three on two situations. But then, you know, he was passing to, you know, like Morris Udeze, who, um, you know, passing's not his forte. There was one situation where he, he passed to Mo at the top of the key. WSU had a three on two. The open shooter was in the right corner, and Mo just didn't see him, and he went to the left side instead. So that's how you beat Memphis is, you know, making them pay for being as aggressive as they are. But, you know, their help defense was just outstanding. You know, Alex Lomax is probably one of the best defenders in the American, you know, just uh, overall, you know, on ball, off ball. He's just so good at, at reading the defense. And um, so guys like that just really help make their make their defense just uh, as dangerous as it is. And uh, like you said, though, I mean, Memphis, they, they gave WSU plenty of opportunities to stay in this game. You know, that first half was, you know, that was rough, you know, <laughs> Memphis was just throwing the ball away. Uh, it was they were just struggling to to not turn it over. WSU was just you know breaking away on offense and you know had some serious uh, you know Houston twenty twenty vibes, uh, Tampa twenty nineteen vibes when you know the, both of those first halves uh, WSU finished with under twenty points on pretty poor shooting. So um, I wrote in my story that it seems like WSU is just you know they're guaranteed to have one of these you know clankers on the road. Uh, every season so they're gonna hope that this was it and uh, they got this one out of the way because you know this uh, you're not gonna win shooting those percentages and uh, pretty much from everywhere too I mean it was the free throw line the three-point line uh, Memphis's defense forced them into a season high and in, in mid-range twos um, I think they only shot like 42 percent at the rim which is well below you know they were shooting 55 percent during that winning streak in the AAC so um, pretty much everywhere on the floor, Memphis held them in check, uh, forced a season-worst percent percentage everywhere. So, yeah, I mean, not a lot to like for WSU. That's just one of those games where you just have to kind of uh, move on to the next game. And uh, and then, you know, they bo- both these games getting uh, postponed. So they, they're having to wait to kind of go out there and redeem themselves. But, yeah, that's a rough one to end on. I'm sure they're ready to, to get that taste out of their mouth. I was going to say, certainly leaves a, a sour taste in your mouth and was such a missed opportunity. We talked on the show last week that, you know, with these next set of games, the Shockers have the opportunity to kind of separate themselves uh, in the standings. Now we have a three-way tie for second place at 4-2 and two with SMU and with Memphis. So maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, just kind of what or does that change the perspective at all uh, on, on the conference race here? Um, as uh, they'll hopefully get back on the court this Saturday. Yeah, I mean that's uh, I mean a win. You know that that puts them at five and one in sole possession of second, and uh, drops Memphis to uh, you know three and three. So um, yeah, that was a big uh, big swing game, um, I guess you could say. Um, but you know road games at Memphis, those are tough. Uh, you know WSU has lost uh, the last three games now at Memphis. Penny Hardway has kind of uh, you know owned the Shockers. He's I think four or five and one. Four and one, I think, uh, three and zero in Memphis, and then one and one in Wichita. So um, that's a tough road game. So um, yeah, the Shockers, they're they're gonna have, they're still ahead of schedule. I think they're still at this point. I think you would, you know, take take that four and two record with uh, uh, as many road games as they've had. Um, so once uh, you know these home games start rolling around, I think uh, you're gonna see WSU start to, you know, 
uh, that's that's when they have to capitalize on the schedule. But um, yeah, I mean, missed opportunity, but it's not the end of the world. Um, doesn't crush WSU's chances or anything like that. It's just what you said. I mean, it's a missed opportunity to kind of put some distance between uh, the Shockers and, and, and a team like Memphis. So um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not the end of the world. Um, I guess it hurts the NCAA case, but. Uh, you know, they're going to have other chances, uh, hopefully down the stretch, if they can get these games. And that's going to be, I'm sure we'll touch on it here later in the show, but that's going to be a, a big question mark now is just how how many games can they get in? You know, time is kind of running out now. Uh, we're almost to February and, uh, you know, four conference games postponed. So, um, yeah, it's going to be the new challenge. But uh, I think WSU still, you know, after six games, and like I said, with the road games uh, that they've had to play, four and two is a still a pretty good record. I would agree, and the next two weeks really make the season, in my opinion. Now, of course, it's if they actually play the games, but with the game against Cincinnati on Wednesday being postponed, the next four games, three, the first three are at home. You play UCLF, excuse me, UCF, you play Tulane, and you play Temple, and then you go to UCF. So mm-hmm. next four games, I think you'd be favored to win all of those. We'll talk about UCF, but they've lost five straight. That puts you at eight and two at the halfway point of a conference season, and, and now, you know, we're, we're in business. So uh, disappointing in, in the loss at Memphis, but a lot of opportunity ahead. Yeah, yeah, like you said, those are three games at home where, yeah, if you're going to, you know, push for a high, high finish in conference, you got to take care of your home court. And uh, all three of those teams are kind of in the bottom half of the conference, UCF, Tulane, Temple. So three great opportunities. And, um, yeah, you got to like uh, how the schedule sets up. Um, for WSU in the second half. And um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a big, big two weeks. Um, maybe not in terms of, you know, big time games, but just these are great opportunities for WSU to, to take care of business on its home court and hopefully, you know, just get get back to playing games and establish some kind of rhythm. I'm sure this is kind of frustrating for everyone involved uh, to, you know, go so long in between games, uh, you know, eight days between the, the Tulsa and Memphis game, and now we're probably going to get a nine-day break between the Memphis and UCF game. So uh, I know after the game, Ricky Council has said, you know, I, d- I just want to go out there and play. So um, these guys, I'm sure they're ready to get back on the court. And like you said, if, if they can kind of establish a nice rhythm, uh, reel off some, uh, you know, wins at home, I think, uh, yeah, the Sharkers could get on a roll there going into the, you know, the, the, the meat of the schedule there in mid-February. It is interesting to me. Houston has already played nine conference games. They're eight and one. And then you look at the rest of the league at six. It's just kind of how everything's been falling. I was uh, looking at Memphis's schedule today and in, in, at the recap, and they have scheduled some of those where it's it's a home and an away at the same time uh, at Memphis's arena. I think that's uh, Memphis and East Carolina, or maybe it's UCF that they'll be playing. So, do you think we'll see more of these double dips uh, here in the next few weeks, where they try and knock out both games? with a conference opponent at the same time or within a few days of each other. Yeah, you're seeing some conferences do that already. And I think, yeah, Memphis is playing SMU and UCF, um, both back-to-back games. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably going to do that with East Carolina at this point. I just don't see an open date for that would make sense before uh, the end of February. And they said that, you know, if, uh, if they can't find a makeup date, then they're just going to play, you know, back-to-back games at Coke Arena. Uh, February 21st and 22nd, which would be a Sunday and Monday. So I think that's going to happen. They've already rescheduled the SMU game. Uh, they found an open date there. Um, so yeah, that leaves the, the um, let's see, that leaves the South Florida game at home and then the, the road game at Cincinnati. 
Uh, we, they've already played Cincinnati, so that's going to have to be a standalone. Uh, and then they play, I guess they've already played South Florida too. So, um, yeah, I mean, they're just going to have to, that's, I mean, you're looking at their schedule. They don't have more, more than a three day break pretty much, uh, um, you know, this whole, the rest of the year. So it's going to be very interesting to see, um, how they schedule, uh, how they fit these games in, because I mean, it would be incredible if, uh, this is the last postponement. So it would be very surprising if there aren't more. Um, I think at one point, I think there was like five programs that in the American alone that were on pause. So, um, that's, yeah, I mean, it's just tough because, you know, um, other teams are racking up postponements too. And, you know, obviously WSU, they have a couple, you know, a couple three day breaks where they could maybe fit in, um, you know, another game. And, uh, but it, it comes down to other teams too. I mean, they're having to make up a lot of games on their end as well. So, yeah, I mean, I would not uh, would not envy the schedule makers at the American because that's a lot of work to to try to go in and, and find all this stuff. So it, it's it's gonna um, it's gonna be a lot of work to find dates that work for both sides. So I would be you know stunned if you know every team in the American ends up playing twenty conference games. So um, I would put the line you know a lot of and there might be situations where like you said, a Houston might might get to twenty. And then you might have someone like East Carolina or Cincinnati who's had to, you know, be on pause for so long. Maybe they only get in, you know, 14 or 15 games. So I think you're going to have a go, you're going to go by like winning percentage, I think, at the end of the season to determine. And who knows if they even have a conference tournament at this point. So um, that's that's a question, uh, an entirely different question, too. So, yeah, a lot of question marks uh, here going down the stretch. Um, but for WSU, I mean, all they can do is uh, handle handle what they can, and um, that's winning games. So you know, you can only play the games that are on your schedule. So that's just that's going to be their focus uh, here going into February. You brought up the conference tournament. We are starting to hear whispers uh, about that across the country that maybe uh, these conferences will cancel the tournament. For a team like Wichita State, that that's not a good thing in my opinion because that's you know an opportunity to potentially steal a bid if they haven't you know developed a resume at at that point. So that that's uh, I guess some other sombering news. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's bad for the American because that's how you would probably get um, you know. Uh, I'm sure the the conference. I mean, they're they're gonna want Houston to have the best seed possible, but you know that's a that's probably the the best bet to make sure you get a second team into the NCAA tournament. Um, if you know if SMU and WSU kind of beat up on each other, I think Memphis is kind of out of it right now at the at large picture, unless they go on you know on a serious run uh, to end this season. So. Um, you know, a team like Tulsa, maybe they can sneak up into their in there, but I mean, they don't really have a marquee win out outside of conference, so it's going to be tough for the American. Uh, you know, hopefully, one of these teams kind of emerges uh, in second place, and they can, you know, feel good about getting a second team in. But yeah, you're right. You know, the American tournament that was going to be the place where, uh, you know, you're going to try to get uh, whoever you know reaches the finals or or maybe wins that conference tournament into the into the larger. Or the automatic bid so um yeah for like for wsu i mean they might be on the bubble and they might need to you know have those games to to kind of uh you know make up the difference or kind of prove themselves so uh could be a big uh good uh, a pretty big storyline for shocker fans to follow for sure because especially see how the rest of the season progresses i mean if they're on that that bubble line they're definitely going to want the the tournament to, to have those extra opportunities uh to prove themselves 
Shockers are currently 77th in the Ken Palm rankings. You had the opportunity to uh, talk with Coach Brown here uh, to, to start the week. What uh, What's he saying right now? Yeah, he basically just said that he wants to get these guys in, uh, you know, just get them in some kind of rhythm and uh, just, you know, practice. And uh, he said on Wednesday in place of that game, he might do another scrimmage type situation where just kind of give the guys, you know, something to look forward to, break up the monotony of practice and, uh, you know, just give them some some game-like situations. And, uh, I mean, it's been a tough last two weeks, you know, uh, only playing so a handful of times and, like I said, you know, now you have to, um, you know, brace for what's coming because uh, after this stretch, you know, they're probably not going to have, you know, barring any more postponements, uh, you know, the, the rest of the schedule is going to be jam-packed. So they're they're going to be playing, you know, every three days basically. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting dilemma because you don't want to, uh, you know, uh, kill their legs and, you know, put too much on them. But at the same time, you want to kind of keep them – you know, motivated and keep that competitive, you know, spirit alive, uh, you know, in, in nine days in between games. So I think it's just, uh, yeah, one of those things where he's just going to have to kind of figure that out. And, you know, th- these are unprecedented times and no one, I mean, there's not a playbook for how to handle the, you know, how to, how to, uh, you know, coach a team during a pandemic. So uh, they're just kind of making the best of it. And I think they're just ready to get back out there and play games and, I'm sure from their perspective, it, it is a little frustrating because all four of these conference games that have been postponed uh, have been because of, you know, other teams, uh, COVID issues. So, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was, you know, one, uh, you know, a, a problem in your own program. But uh, the fact that it's been in other programs, I think that that kind of causes, you know, the frustrations, at least for the players to feel like, uh, you know, they're not getting the games that they, they wanted. But I mean, that's why this is a free season for the, you know, that's why the NCAA is calling this a free season and letting letting all these guys come back next year. Um, I think maybe, uh, the, I mean, this season, even though there's been so many postponements, I mean, it's probably been a, uh, a success uh, in terms of just getting this season to this point. So hopefully they can finish strong and, you know, we can have a postseason. And um, I think that's what everybody's looking forward to is just, you know, March Madness again. Well, let's talk about their one game this week. Central Florida comes to town on Saturday. Game tips at 3 p.m. and will be on ESPNU. What has happened to Central Florida? They've lost five straight. They beat number 15 Florida State earlier in the year, but uh, have really struggled in conference play. They beat Cincinnati. They were 1-0 in conference play, and and it's all just gone south from there. They've had a lot of postponements thrown in there as, as well, but your thoughts when you look at this Central Florida ball club? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just the defense. I mean, their defense is cratered, and uh, they have the worst defense in the American right now. Um, um, they're just, you know, not doing a very good job at, at pretty much, you know, any of the four factors, uh, when you look at kind of the analytics, you know, the effective field goal percentage, forcing turnovers, keeping teams off the glass and, you know, keeping teams off the free throw line. And, uh, they rank, you know, in the bottom half of all, all four of those categories. And that's just not a winning, um, you know, it's not a winning formula and, uh, I mean, I, th- I thought uh, they were getting a little bit too much hype uh, coming off of that Florida State win or in the Auburn win. But, um, I, I mean, I remember, I forgot who, who it was, but they were saying, um, I think it was like Brandon Mahan was off to a really good start. And um, they were saying he's like one of the, he's like the, the next superstar from the American Athletic Conference. And, and now, I mean, he's having a good season, but he's definitely come, come down, uh, come back down to life. So um, I think with their, 
um, with the, their makeup. I mean, I was a little surprised they got off to such a good start. I, I kind of had them pegged in the bottom four all along in the conference. So really where they're at, it's not too much of a surprise uh, for me. Um, I think they just had, you know, a nice early season win. And, and now they're kind of faced with those problems that, uh, you know, a lot of people thought they were going to have this season. And um, like you said, you know, five straight losses, you know, um, a couple of road losses to South Florida and Temple aren't great. The other three, you know, getting beat by Houston, Houston twice, SMU. I mean, no shame in that. But, um, yeah, I mean, they've had some rough ones in there. So, um, yeah, this is a team that, you know, the opportunity is there. Uh, they're going to play a game, or at least they're scheduled to play East Carolina. We'll see if that game actually happens um, on Wednesday. But So they might be able to get some confidence going into this. I mean, they get ECU at home, so that's a game they probably feel like they should win. So, you know, if they can, uh, you know, build some momentum, build some confidence going into that weekend game at, at Wichita State, they're going to be feeling good about themselves. So, talent's definitely there I like the pieces they have on offense but like I said you know the defense is just really really struggled and you know for a team like WSU you know coming off such a poor offensive showing playing at home uh, playing at Coke Arena I think uh, they're gonna be fired up so I, I don't think that's a good um, you know good recipe for for UCF success so they're gonna have to play you know a little over their heads to to compete with the Shockers on the road I think. Golden Knights are Ken Palm ranked number 100. They score 63.9 points per game. They allow 69.4 points per game. They shoot at 40% from the field, 33% from three. They are minus 2.3 in rebounding margin. So a, a opportunity for, you know, I feel like the Shockers have played all these long, lengthy teams that we say got to keep them off the glass. Hopefully it'd be a little bit of an opportunity for them to get right this time around. Yeah, when I was researching the Memphis defense uh, story, I found out the Shockers actually play the third hardest schedule of defenses in the country, according to Ken Palm. So their last nine games against Division One teams were all against top 60 defenses. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's really, really tough. This is going to be the first game where they're not going against an elite defense. You know, UCF is uh, 81 right now, and uh, like I said, uh, in conference play, they've absolutely cratered, and uh, it's about 10 points uh, worse than what it is on the season. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a you know a refreshing change. And uh, there's another stat I forgot to mention the Memphis game that was a pretty good nugget was, uh, let's see, seven, seven of WSU's shots were blocked a season high. Uh, WSU had actually done a really good job of uh, avoiding shots blocked. They were one of the best in the country. So they had seven of their shots blocked. And then uh, when I went back and watched the film, they had 11 more that were either air balls or just, you know, wild shots off the backboard that didn't hit the rim. So that's 18 shots right there that basically had no chance of, of uh, you know, going in. So that's a stat that you can expect to, you know, see come way, way down against uh, UCF. You know, they just don't have the length and um, that uh, a team like Memphis and Houston does. So um, I would expect a bounce-back performance by WSU's offense. I think this is uh, shaping up well for, you know, a Tyson Etienne explosion game um and i think this is a game where wsu can kind of get right and take out some of its frustrations from uh this this uh, 20 point loss at memphis you mentioned brandon mahan he's averaging 14.7 points per game they also have 6'4 sophomore guard darren green jr he's averaging 12.3 points per game as i mentioned you play this team twice in a two-week time frame so it's it's simply just take care of business yeah, I mean they got some uh, they got some shooters too. Uh, Mayan and uh, uh, Darren Green are, are pretty good. So 
Um, they're going to have to do good, a good job. You know, you can't let those guys get going against you on the perimeter. Um, but other than that, you know, they don't really have anyone else that can stretch the floor. Uh, but again, I say that, you know, a team like Memphis, uh, you know, they they had uh, struggled mightily from behind the arc, and they had three guys that had uh, not hit a three-pointer all season hit their first three-pointer against WSU. So Those three went four for five in the game. Yeah, four for five. So it's like actually, that kid from Houston that hadn't shot a three all year. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's making buckets. Yeah. It's like, wow, this uh, is yeah, luck. To, yeah, to Memphis's credit, though, they followed that up, uh, and they did the same thing against East Carolina the next game. So. Uh, who knows? I mean, it's just one of those streaky things where it kind of comes and goes. But yeah, it, it just seems like bad luck. I mean, on the scouting report, you're going to give them that, those shots all the time. But I mean, I just don't think that UCF has the firepower uh, to keep up with WSU. But uh, like I said, you know, this is a, a team that has offensive talent. So it's not like WSU can just, you know, roll out of bed and, you know, come through with a, you know, a C, C effort and, and get the win. They're going to have to play well. You know, this is a good conference. And you're going to have to play well to to win games in the conference. So even at home. So I think this is a game that, but I just, everything that, uh, you know, I've, I've heard from those around the program, you know, the, the players are really motivated. Uh, you know, they're really disappointed in, in, uh, in that loss at Memphis, they really want to get back out there and kind of prove themselves again. So I think they're going to have a lot of, a lot of motivation going into this game and, uh, playing at home, haven't played there very much uh, lately. So I think they're going to be excited play in front of you know a few a few thousand uh you know shocker fans and get things back going i think they're this is a team that that truly does believe it can compete for the conference championship so uh like we talked about earlier you know this is a good stretch for them to kind of prove that you know if they can rattle off you know three four five victories here they're going to be in that in that title uh title talk so uh start of a a very interesting stretch and um yeah i mean this is uh this is a game that wsu has to win, you know, if they if they want NCAA tournament talk, if they want to compete for a conference championship, this is one you got to have. Make a prediction for us. Yeah, like I've been saying, I think that this is a good matchup for WSU's offense to get going again. Um, I I think they're gonna after going two for twenty three for three. I just have a feeling that they're gonna bounce back uh, and they're gonna hit you know eight nine ten somewhere in that range, maybe even. I think they get to double digits, so I'll, I'll say WSU wins this one. Uh, let's go 80 to uh, 68. All right, good deal. I will say 74 to 60. And I guess with nothing else to talk about, <laughs> that's buy or sell time. Yeah, so let's let's jump into it. So we talked about you know some of the lack of consistent schedule, the breakdowns with the players not being able to have a routine that they can follow. You don't you're preparing for a game that you know may not actually happen. Do you feel like these last few games? You know, you lost the U, USF game, you lost the SMU game. Do you feel like these postponements kind of took some of the edge off of Wichita State, and that's one of the primary reasons they looked so flat against Memphis? Um, I'll, I'll sell that. I think, uh, I mean, IB kind of touched on that a little bit today where he, um, he was asked if the layoff, he felt like that had anything to do with it. And he, he said he didn't think so. He felt really good about the team coming into that game. He felt like they had practiced well. Um, it was just, you know, one of those games where nothing really went right for them on offense. So I think, I mean, eight days is a lot, but it's not like, uh, you know, a crazy amount of time. So I, I don't think it, was anything to do, do with like the rust or anything. So it was just a game where Memphis played really well on defense and uh, did enough on offense. So I think it's, it was just one of those games. I, I don't think, uh, 
you know, the, the eight day layoff had, had, uh, a lot to do with it. Also that as well, just because it's just, it's one bad game. Now, if we see it develop into a pattern or if we see them struggle in this uh, game, set of games that are coming up, then I think, yeah, that's, that's cause for concern. But as for right now, I think they just got a butt whooping. So we talked some in the past about this, but buy or sell, is it time for Ricky Council to be in the starting lineup? I'm going to sell that just because I think they're going to roll these same five guys out all season long. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly seems that way, but I'm going to buy that. I think the time has come. I think he's uh, the starting lineup's just, you know, it's not uh, there. At some point, we kind of talked about this earlier. It's like at some point, the number, you know, you are what the numbers say you are. So um, I think it's getting to that point where. Uh, you know, maybe they need to look at, you know, bringing Trey Wade um, or Dexter Dennis, uh, one of those two guys. Maybe they bring Dexter off the bench to see if that can, you know, kind of get him going, kind of, uh, you know, give a different perspective for him to start the game and uh, see if that can spark something because, you know, he's he's getting a ton of really good looks. I mean, it's not like he's taking bad shots. I mean, he's shooting 25.6% this year, and, uh, you know, I would I – would, uh, guess a lot of those are on wide open looks so you know that's just not um you know correlating to to how good of a shooter he is and um what he does in practice so i mean i think they just they need to look for some kind of spark so i think uh putting uh, ricky in the starting lineup that could be the answer moving one of those guys who are kind of struggling with their shot bringing them off the bench maybe that'll uh you know spark something with them so i, I think it's time to make a make a change but like dustin said i mean I want to bet on it. It just seems like they're they're going to roll with these guys uh, start to finish. All right, we've had four postponements, none of them actually due to Wichita State itself having COVID problems, aside from what happened at the very beginning of the season. So they've got to reschedule these. They've got you know two of them potentially on the books, but buy or sell, do you think that they can actually get three of these four games rescheduled before what would be the conference tournament? I'm going to sell that. I think they're just running out of time to uh, find dates. Um, there is a stretch between the 10th and the 15th um, where WSU would have, uh, you know, maybe you play a Friday game there, but I haven't looked at the schedule for, you know, Cincinnati or um, or uh, USF. So, I mean, it's, it's just tough. I mean, I think there's just so many postponements from around the league that it's just uh, they're going to simply just run out of time unless they start, you know, uh, moving. Maybe they can move that SMU date uh, to, like, Wichita and kind of do the same thing where they play uh, just back-to-back, and um, and then they can fill that, that date um, instead with another game. So I don't know. They're going to have to get super creative to make this work, but I, I just don't think that they're going to be able to, to play all these games. I think at, at one point you're just going to see them start straight-up canceling them and, uh, just, you know, calling it good. I'm going to buy that they get three out of four, although I'd agree with Taylor that you're starting to run out of time. I think they need to get creative in moving around the existing date, so not necessarily trying to fit it in when it's open, but, you know, start saying, okay, this weekend is the SMU Wichita State weekend, and these two teams are playing, and this weekend is the, you know, for everyone that Wichita State has two games left, I think they should play both games as close to each other as possible. That's a good idea. I mean, you're already looking at UCF. The games are, what, a week apart? Like, could you just play those back-to-back and just see what happens? 
and, exactly. and go. And that was actually, that kind of segues directly into my last one. So your commissioner, what do you do? Are you trying to get all these games to fit in? Do you just make sure you get your conference tournament? Do you cancel your conference tournament and just try and give as many of these teams opportunities to get as many games as possible? Because, you know, if you look at attrition ac across the country, are you just trying to get a team to, you know, 17, 18, 20 wins to give them a chance to boost their resume, not necessarily worry about the auto bid situation? If I'm the commissioner of the American, I'm trying to have a conference tournament because, as we talked about, Houston is the only one that is clearly in the tournament right now. If I'm the commissioner of the ACC, I probably don't really care if we have a conference tournament or not. So I think it's a little bit in, in you know, the Big 12, what is 80, 90 percent of the league going to get into the tournament? So I, I think it's just different on each situation. But with the AAC, I, I would definitely try and have the conference tournament and, you know, like I said, maybe get a little bit more creative with the scheduling. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Dustin. I think uh, you need to have a conference tournament. Um, but I think I think I just read today where um, Oresco said that I mean he's he's considering you know pausing the basketball season entirely if they find out that the you know on court transmission is a thing just because the AAC has kind of had more problems with COVID stuff than uh, a lot of conferences in the country. So I mean he's considering you know put, uh, putting pause on um, you know every team in the Americans. So. I think he's going to be, you know, one of those where he's going to put safety first. And um, I I would not bet on a conference tournament happening. But, you know, in terms of just basketball decisions, absolutely. That's something that you would want to have for your tournament, especially uh, or for your conference, uh, especially for a conference trying to get multiple bids into the NCAA. Uh, that's a great way to, to, you know, it's a great way to do it. So um, I would be surprised if we, we end up uh, going to Fort Worth. But um Hopefully we can. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and uh, that'd be two years in a row we get robbed of uh, the Fort Worth experience. So they had a three-year contract too, so which I'm <laughs> sure they'll add it on. But that would yeah, they haven't they even just, gotten their they've never even gotten, <laughs> they haven't even gotten it yet. All right, sorry Fort Worth. We'll see you sometime later. Good run. Well, it's kind of a you know we're sitting here talking about you know, how are they going to fit all these games in? And then the Shockers are sitting here, you know, nine days in between uh, games. So it's just just a weird time. Yeah, it's a weird season for sure. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a little surprised we got this far without it being, you know, this weird. There's a good part of December where, you know, there were hardly any cancellations or postponements. I think East Carolina was the only one. And, you know, they, they probably played, you know, six straight weeks without postponements. And now... Um, and now they're starting to catch up. So I was surprised that WSU got this far into the season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I just I figured coming into this year that it was going to be like this where it's just going to be start and stop. And, um, you know, it's just going to be so tough to do it without a bubble. And, you know, uh, if just one guy, you know, gets it or even comes into close contact, you know, contact tracing is, uh, you know, it's going to take out a lot of your team. And, um, so yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a, a tough year all the way around, but like I said, that's why it's a free season for everyone. All these guys can come back next year. Does not count against their eligibility. So, um, uh, but so they just want to make the most out of it though. I think if you can just give them some form of postseason basketball, that's, that's all that they're going to ask for. So that's why, you know, the, the players are absolutely going to want to, you know, that, that one last chance to, to, you know, win a championship. Uh, get to the NCAA tournament. So I think that would be really tough for the athletes to, uh, you know, play a full season and then not get not get a chance in the postseason because um, I would doubt that they would play, you know, NIT. I don't know if they would do, like, uh, mm -hmm. anything less than the NCAA tournament. Um, 
in the current format. So that would be really tough. Uh, so hopefully they can, you know, get this figured out and hopefully we can, yeah, yeah, you know, the rest of the conference can stay COVID free and we can get these, uh, you know, this last uh, month and a half in. At least we have the Chiefs. Yeah. Am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Go Chiefs. <laughs> well, like I said, next two weeks are important. You win these four games, you're at twelve and four, you're at eight and two in the conference at the halfway point, and and I think that that would play with, with some opportunity still left to go the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, big big next four games like we've outlined, uh, then you kind of get into the, the the heart of the schedule, you know, SMU, Memphis, uh Houston again, SMU again. So um, that stretch is going to be, you know, a big one as well. Uh, just looking on Ken Palm, you know, they're projected to lose four of those five. Um, so if they can come away with, uh, just two of those wins. That'd be a huge boost for them. And, um, yeah, I mean, things are, um, I think getting both of those games at, uh, at home against East Carolina will be nice. Uh, if that ends up happening, I think those are two, two games that WSU probably expects to win. And, That'll kind of break up that tough schedule. So. It avoids a road trip that you would have to yeah. make, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, these are games where, uh, yeah, WSU fans are going to feel pretty good about going in. Uh, you know, all four of these next games, they're uh, favored to win on Kim Palm. So, yeah, it's just a matter of taking care of business now at this point. But, you know, it's a crazy season like we've talked about, so anything can happen. And uh, But you have to think, you know, the next three at home, anything less than 3-0, and you're going to feel a little disappointed in. I mean, next time we talk, the schedule may look completely different. I mean, if they take Dustin's advice, you know, they may re- reshuffle the schedule and just change it all up, which is entirely possible. You know, it's hard when we have a weekly podcast to uh, <laughs> prepare for all these things. You know, <laughs> we preview USF, the game's postponed. We're <laughs> getting ready to preview Cincinnati today, game's postponed. But we'll we'll work through it. Yep, yep. So it's... Ever changing season, so yeah, it's uh, it's tough, and uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of been a downer. I mean, it's it's nice to have kind of a little bit of break uh, for me to kind of get a breath, but um, again, I mean, I, I like covering basketball games, so you know, only covering one in, in basically two weeks. I mean, that's that's no fun. So hopefully, we can just get back to playing some kind of uh, you know just some kind of rhythm, just playing you know every three days. That would be nice. The thing that's got the most rhythm right now is our this podcast. <laughs> That's correct. Can always count every on Monday, us. baby. Tuesday morning, we'll post. I was gonna say. I mean, there's usually some fire hot content coming from your Twitter, but it's been a little, uh, yeah, been a little slow little, going these yeah, days. A little, a little dormant. Yeah. <laughs> I need to pick that back up. And yeah, I mean, just not a lot to you know break down from that Memphis game. I mean, they uh, throw away the film. Yeah, one of those games. So uh, I might try to do some like yeah, big picture stuff. But yeah, I mean, I I did that feature on Mo. Coming away from uh, from his uh, his big performances uh, those that last week, and uh, I've looked at Ricky Council. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I might look at uh, someone like uh, Altreet Gilbert or, or Dexter or Trey, someone that's you know uh, not quite you know fulfilling their potential, and kind of look at maybe what they can do to to kind of get going. So um, that was another game from Altreet that was just you know kind of frustrating where. Um, you know, you just feel like he's, you know, about ready to take off and then just doesn't, uh, you know, didn't come through with a, with a good game. So, um, he's just going to have to, um, I think that breakthrough is coming. Like I said, last week on the podcast, I think he is going to turn that corner, but you know, right now it's just kind of uh, that frustrating potential because you know, he can do, you know, so much and, uh, for it not to translate on the court, I'm sure is uh, very frustrating for him. And, um, but 
you know, it kind of just goes back to my larger point where WSU ceiling, they have to feel pretty good about their ceiling because, um, you know, a lot of their players are not playing anywhere close to their potential and they're still, you know, in a pretty good spot in the American four and two. So uh, just imagine, you know, if Dexter Dennis turns it around, if Trey Wade becomes consistent, if Altree Gilbert starts to get it going. So um, a lot of a lot of pathways there to improve for WSU. So I think uh, Shockers should feel, you know, pretty optimistic about, you know, where they are and uh, where they are and uh, where they're going. We'll be back next week to get you ready for games against Tulane and Temple. Have a good week, and of course, you rate us five stars. This show is part of the ICT Podcast Network. For more information, visit ictpod.net.